take your Bible and turn to Mark chapter 4. Mark 4 is where we're going to be this morning. And as you're turning there, I have a question I want to start out with. And this question isn't just any question. This question actually reveals a lot about who you are. All right, are you ready for this? I know I'm, I'm starting off big. It's, it's going to hit you right now. Here it is. How much pumpkin pie did you eat this Thanksgiving? Just kidding. That's not really my real question. I know it doesn't really say that much about you. Uh, in all seriousness, my real question is, when you're confronted with a storm in life, what is your response? When you're faced with something that's outside of your control, how do you respond in those kind of situations when you have no answers? Well, in Mark 4, the disciples are in a storm and they're faced with something that's totally outside of their control. And their natural response was fear, fear. And today we're going to see that fear doesn't have to be your response. There's actually an alternative to fear, and that is faith. Faith erases fear. Can you say that with me today? Faith erases fear. Let's look in the text starting in verse 35. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they awoke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this? Then even the wind and the sea obey him. Wow. What a, what a passage here. What a revelation of Jesus Christ that we see here in Mark 4. And I love how Mark just leaves that question mark dangling at the end of this passage. Who then is this? Have you ever been in one of those situations where you've just thought, who is this guy? Uh, for me, you know, that usually happens like on the basketball court. You know, you're playing basketball with your buddies, pickup game. Another guy shows up. He's on the opposing team. You know, his shoes don't look that great. He's a little overweight maybe. And he's just not expecting much from him. And then he shows up and just starts making buckets. Has anybody ever experienced something like this? Just basket after basket. After a while, you're looking at your teammates like, who is this guy? Right? Well, in this situation, the disciples are looking around at each other. And Jesus just spoke, and the wind and the waves obeyed his voice. This is more like, in the basketball scenario, this is more like somebody speaking to the ball, and the ball just floating into the air into the hoop. I mean, they're, they're freaked out right now. They're amazed. And this is the exclamation point on this entire passage. Jesus is revealing his true nature. But we're not going to get too far ahead of ourselves. Before we get there, Jesus actually asks a couple questions himself to the disciples. And these same questions are the questions that I want to ask you this morning. Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? We're going to see that faith is not, is not where you, faith is where you need to be. Fear is not your response that you need to have. There's three aspects of faith that will erase fear in your storm. Three of them. 
Would you like to erase fear from your life? Would you? Not, not if you're with me on that. I know I would. So let's look at the text. First of all, point one, fear not. Jesus is intentional with your storm. Trust him. Trust him. Look at verse 35. I have a question here. Whose idea was it to get in the boat and to go across to the other side? Whose idea was that? Right there in verse 35. Do you see it? It's Jesus's idea. Okay, it was his plan. And maybe it's just me, but I think it was intentional that Jesus said, hey, let's go across the other side of the sea the exact same time when the worst storm of the disciples' lives showed up. This is what he does. This is what God does. He, he puts you in these situations. It's very key that you understand this truth. God will put you in situations that you can't control to show you that he's already in control. He does that. Uh, Joseph was thrown into the pit and sold into slavery by his brothers. The children of Israel in the Old Testament were, were fleeing from Pharaoh and they were trapped and stuck in front of the Red Sea with Pharaoh's army like right on their heels. Daniel was thrown in the lion's den. This happens all the time. Have you ever been in a situation like that where you just don't know a way out and you have fear? Jesus intentionally led them into this storm and it's all they could do was bail water. They had no other options. How many of you have ever bailed water before? Anyone in here? Yeah, a couple. All right. I see a couple hands. Good. I bailed water once in my life. It was when I was in high school and uh, my dad was selling our home. So as most people do when they're selling your home, you're getting it all fixed up. We had a friend come over. His name was Bob. And I won't tell you his last name just to protect the guilty, okay? But Bob is your handyman. He's your tinker type of guy. You know, the jack of all trades, master of none. So he's looking at our basement, checking out the sewer line, messing around with a sub pump. And, you know, that happened. He went home on his way. The appraiser's coming the next day. Well, I get, I get my dad wakes me up really early in the morning, son, wake up, the basement's flooded, we got to go bail water out of the basement. So I get up, what's going on? Bail water for like six straight hours, uh, up and down the stairs, back and forth. And then after a while, we're looking around, it's like, wait a minute, it stopped raining like two hours ago, and there's like more water in the basement now than there was when we started. What's happening here? And that's when it hit us, Bob. Bob, you didn't cap the sewer line when you checked it out last night. So we had all this rain. The, the rain gutters were just overflowing with water. It was coming up from the bottom, not just from the sky, but from the bottom of the, of the basement. All that work, futile, just for nothing. Maybe you felt like that. Maybe you felt like sometimes in your life, you're, you're in your storm, it's just feel like all your best intentions just feel like bailing water out of a basement with an uncapped sewer line. Just nothing seems to really work. You know, we can get just punched in the gut with, with fear and stress and pain. We can't always, you want to control the situation, but you can't always control your finances. You can't always control your health. We can't control what people say to us or do to us. And in those situations, in those storms, Jesus intentionally puts him there to force us to rely more on him. 2 Corinthians 1 talks about this. It, it forces us to rely on our great God and Savior. When we're in storms, it also 
gives Jesus an opportunity to show up and show off his great glory and to reveal who he is. Remember what happened to Joseph? All right? He, by some unreal turn of events that's only explained by God, rose from being enslaved in prison to the number two in all of Egypt, right? The the children of Israel at the Red Sea, God split the Red Sea in half. Daniel, he's in the lion's den, and for some reason, the lions decide to look at Daniel like a day-old French fry on the floorboard of your car. Do I want to eat that? Nah, nah, I'll pass that up, right? God does those things because he is in control. He shows up and displays his glory. Facing fear is not fun. Getting told no is never easy, but it pushes us to get closer to our Savior. And that's a very good thing. So fear not. Jesus is intentional with your storm. Trust him. Trust him. That's the first aspect of faith. And the second aspect of faith just builds on top of that. It just just continues on. Number two, fear not. Jesus cares for you in your storm. Believe him. Believe him. Look at verse 38. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion, and they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Imagine this scene with me. Keep in mind that the disciples here, or most of them, are like professional fishermen. Peter, James, John, Andrew, like they grew up on this sea, so they're very familiar with it. But like, The Sea of Galilee is 700 feet below sea level, and it's surrounded by like hills. So it's in the bottom of this valley. And there was a lot of storms in the Sea of Galilee. They're no stranger to to these storms. But, you know, cold air would just rush down the ravines, furiously they just travel down. It would hit the the warm air at the base of the water, and it would create foam and just gigantic waves. They're in one of these storms, but this one is different, right? This one isn't like, oh, we'll, we'll get through it. We'll pass through this. We can, get, we can get by. No, this time they're fearing for their life and their very lives. And they, they don't think they're going to make it. And they're wondering, where's Jesus? <laughs> where, where is he? Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Do you not care? Do you see there? that the Bible gets us. It doesn't sugarcoat anything. It's showing all the the flaws of humanity. These are the closest guys to Jesus and they still don't understand who they're dealing with. They still don't look at Jesus the right way. Have you ever asked Jesus a similar question? Do you care? There's a few different ways that that we can posture ourselves and ask that question. Uh, It really happens primarily in three different ways. Uh, You can take the posture of, you can save me. It just doesn't seem like you want to. And, And that is questioning the love of Jesus. Another way people struggle through this is they say, can you really do anything about it? And you're questioning his power. The last The last posture, and I've taken this one in my life before, is, God, you could do something about this, but it doesn't seem like you want to. Where are you at? Like, like why are you allowing this to happen? And you question his wisdom. As I mentioned, this, this in particular, questioning God's wisdom is something that I've struggled with in my life. One of the hardest times in my life was right after I was married. 
And it has nothing to do with my wife. Uh, my bride is beautiful and amazing. But we ended our honeymoon actually in the hospital. My wife had some kidney problems. And for a while, it looked like she was going to need to actually have one of her kidneys removed. So we're dealing with all this, this stress. I mean, we're newly wed. It's exciting. And then, bam, we're hit with the, this, this storm. And, and what's going on? Uh, I had all these hospital bills. And at the time, I was a youth pastor at a church plant in Colorado. They weren't really paying me anything yet. You know, that's all right. So I'm working full-time at Starbucks, working at limos.com, just trying to pay the bills and, and get, get this family started. And, and I, don't know, I don't know how I'm going to even make it. And, and my wife is sick, and, and, and there's just a lot of fear that was in our life at that time. Well, God showed us that he cared. Um, and in the midst of all that, even though uh, we're working through that, I got a call from my mother-in-law about another bill that came. And it was actually a ticket from the state of Michigan. I'm like, what? How did, where did that come from, right? Well, a month before we were married, Julie was in a minor accident. She was actually driving her car. She was uh, in a storm. A roof blew off of a house, was in the middle of the road, so she had to like pull a U-turn. I don't really understand how this happened, but somehow, you know, she's explained this to me, and I'm sure it's not her fault explaining it, but I just don't get it. She was pulling a U-turn as another car was pulling a U-turn, and their tires like rubbed against each other. So however that worked. And, uh, and then the, you know, they're all both freaked out, and the driver just waved her on, like, go ahead, it's no big deal. So she's panicked. Of course, anybody would just leave the scene, right? She did. She left the scene. A mile later, the police officer came, gave her a ticket for leaving the scene of an accident. And Michigan counted that as the same as a DUI. All right? So we have this big fine from Michigan. This happened in South Carolina. My wife was driving a car, her brother-in-law's car, uh, from Colorado. And she just happened to have a Michigan license plate. God, why did this happen? Right? Like, how are we going to even pay this? It was a dark time in our life. I mean, I was punching holes in walls. I, was, I called the state of Michigan, had the most unpleasant phone call of my entire life. I regret everything I said in that phone call. <laughs> but God showed up through that. He taught us things that we would have never realized if we weren't in the pressure, in that situation, had to rely on him. I mean, we got anonymous checks in the mail. People provided groceries for us, like on our doorstep. We didn't even know what was going on. Even though I didn't have a lot of faith, at that time, God showed that he cared. He showed that he cared. This is very important for all of us to understand that he truly cares for you. He truly does. Faith erases fear. Not just any faith, but faith in Jesus Christ. I don't know when the last time you've been in something like this, where you feel stuck, you feel trapped. It's like you've been treading water for a long time. The water is rising. It's like neck deep and you have nowhere else to turn. You're going to have fear unless you put your focus and your trust and your belief and your faith in Jesus Christ. Look back to verse 37. The waves are breaking into the boat. The boat is taking on water. And what is Jesus doing? He's asleep. <laughs> have you thought about this? Like, how could Jesus be sleeping through this? I mean, it's not like he's got his earmuffs on and he's like got his sleep perfect number in his Tempur-Pedic bed. That's not the situation. I mean, this water is, is just crashing into the boat. The boat's about ready to capsize and Jesus is asleep. Well, he's asleep because he's not in fear because he's already in control of the situation. The disciples 
are not looking at this situation the right way yet. Look at verse 38 and tell me how the disciples are addressing Jesus. What is their view of Jesus Christ in here? Obviously, they're like, where is he? Where is Jesus? We've forsaken all to follow him, and he's not even around. Why is he leaving us out here just to die? But look how they address Jesus. Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Why does that matter? Well, your view of God is all that matters. Okay, I I can tell you how you get fear. We have an equation to get fear. Uh, You take a situation, all that it entails, and then you take yourself. And if this situation is bad enough and you don't have the ability to overcome that situation, you're going to have fear for sure every time. But if you take the situation, you take yourself, and then you add into there one more thing, you add God the proper view of God, not just looking at him as a teacher, not just looking at someone who can, who can heal the sick, but actually looking at him as the savior of the world who spoke this world into existence, who has control and mastery over all things. If you have the proper view of God into that equation, you don't get panic, stress, or worry. You get hope, you get courage, you get reliance, and you have faith. So the way you look at your savior, the way you look at God, is paramount. It's the most important thing. How you view Jesus. Look at who we're dealing with here. How should we view Jesus Christ? Verse 39, and he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. There it is. Jesus speaks and the natural elements obey his voice. Don't get over that. Just let that, let that resonate with you for a second. The words of Jesus, the powerful words of Jesus, have control over the wind and the waves, the natural elements. It's like a drill sergeant instructing his cadets, just obedience. It's like a, it's like a conductor waving his arms for an orchestra, complete mastery with just his voice. Peace. Be still. Jesus has the authority to do this. And in the wind and the waves are subject to obey his voice. And the disciples are left looking around. Who is this? Who then is this that even the wind and the waves obey his voice? Well, there's only one possible answer. And that's that Jesus Christ is God. Jesus Christ is the creator of this world. Jesus Christ is the sustainer. He enables us. He has all the power, all the power. He's revealing his glory and his divinity right here. This is someone who you can believe in. Jesus is in the boat with them. And if you know Jesus as your savior, he is in your life. He's in the boat with you. He's the one who said, I will never leave you or forsake you. He said to them, just like he says to us, I will be with you always even until the end of the age. That is our God, and that is someone who we can trust and who we can believe in faith. Faith erases fear. And Jesus didn't stop with addressing the wind and the waves. Look at verse 40. There's a second part of Jesus' response. He said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? 
Faith erases fear. And in my third point, fear not. Jesus has the power to save you from your storm. Worship him. Worship him. Jesus is teaching the disciples about faith by asking them the question that you need to ask yourselves. Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? It's so easy to question Jesus Christ's love and his power that it's honestly just scary. Uh, we're, we're all weak and we all are, are forgetful. I know I am. And we need to be reminded of this. We get so consumed with someone, what's, what someone else said or what someone else did. We get so stressed over just things that we can't control in life. When we get overwhelmed with our own perceived inefficiencies, all of that will fade to black when we put our faith and our trust and our belief in Jesus Christ. Those waters were formed by his spoken word. No doubt those waters could be calmed by the same voice of Jesus Christ. Jesus speaks and it goes from chaos to calm instantly. And that's the same thing that we have access to, the same faith that we have access to through Jesus, and the same result is there for us. What if the great calm of the sea, the words of Jesus, could be the great calm of your soul? Think about that for a second. When you see that, when you see Jesus for who he truly is, there's only one response. And it's the response we see in verse 41. Verse 41 And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Filled with fear. You may be asking, well, David, is this the same fear that you've been hammering all day? This is a little different, okay? This isn't the same kind of fear where we're just stressed out over circumstances in life and panicking over what someone did or what we're going to do. No, this is actually an awe-inspiring fear. This is a fear not over a situation or a circumstance, but it's the fear over a person. This is an awe-inspiring respect for who Jesus is. And it drives them to worship. It's worship. Only when the awe of God is the driving force of your heart can you be freed from fear. When we see God for who he truly is, see what Jesus can really do, and we believe that, that is when fear is going to be erased from our life. Fear not, Jesus has the power to save you from your storm. Worship him. Faith is carrying with you such a deeply rooted fear of God that you have hope and courage when you would have once been afraid. It changes you. It changes you. When you once would have been completely fearful, now I I have this awe of who God is and I trust who he is and I believe that he loves me. I believe that he cares for me. And now, instead of being fearful, I have strength. I have hope. I have courage. I'm going to rely on him. That is faith. And that's what happens to anyone who puts their worship in Jesus Christ, their true worship in Jesus Christ. Now, you may be thinking, well, David, that's nice. I doubt I could change. I mean, this would be so hard for me to change because I'm a person who just stresses if I don't have anything to stress about. I, I, I'm always worried about something, David. Well, 
Interesting thing about this text in Mark 4 is that there's a lot of details, okay? Hang with me for a second on this. Uh, there, we talk about the stern. There's other boats with this boat. Jesus is asleep on a cushion. All these details that would have only came if it was from like an eyewitness account. And the funny thing is, Mark, as far as we know, wasn't there. I mean, this is with the 12 disciples, right? So who is feeding him all this information? A lot of Mark's stories from the Gospel of Mark are firsthand accounts from the Apostle Peter. And Peter is one of the disciples on this boat who has his jaw dropped, who's stunned. Who is this? Jesus is God. And it changed him. Okay, if you read the New Testament, you see Peter changed. There's no doubt about that in a drastic way. It didn't happen right away, but he for sure changed. After Jesus rose from the dead and right before he ascended, Jesus told the disciples not to fear. And Peter got bold along with the other disciples. James was one of them. And in Acts, in the book of Acts, James actually gets killed for his bold explanation of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that King Herod saw that it pleased the Jews, so then he arrested Peter. And everyone's left to assume that Peter's going to lose his head the next day. All right, and let's look at Acts 12, verse 6. I got it up on the screen for you. This is what happens here. Peter's in a pretty fearful situation, I would have to say. Now, when Herod was about to bring him out on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. And behold, the angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in his cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, Get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. Do you find anything interesting about this passage? He's about ready to die. He's in a pretty fearful situation. And Peter is sleeping. Just like Jesus was sleeping on the boat. Peter is becoming like Jesus right before our very own eyes. He had a faith in his Savior. A reliance, a trust, a belief that Jesus is intentional. Jesus cares. Jesus can rescue. He knew all that, and it changed the way he looked. His view of his Savior changed his life. Faith erased fear. I don't know all of your stories. I'm sure there's a lot of us in here who are in storms. You know, maybe your children are making really bad decisions, and it's, it's hurting the family. Maybe you're stuck in a dead-end job and you don't know how to get out of it. Maybe you want to get married and you just haven't had anyone in your life. Maybe you're struggling with infertility. I mean, there's so many storms that we face. Some of us are successful and we've achieved everything that we ever wanted to achieve. And then we're still left thinking, is this it? What's what's next? I, I still don't feel satisfied. In the storm, you don't have to fear. You don't have to fear. Faith erases that. Trust Jesus, believe Jesus, and worship Jesus.